up, closers? Dominic Combinati here with Grass University. I have an incredibly exciting guest today. I'm a huge fan of this gentleman. He's one of the, the most in-demand sales trainers in the world right now. This guy's an acclaimed author of over 11 books, and I'm trying to get through all 11 of them. I've read six of them myself, and I tell you what, the sales training and the principles he teaches in his books are incredibly relevant to the home service space. Not only is this gentleman a best-selling author of books like Inked, Objections, Sales EQ, Fanatical Prospecting, and his new book, which is incredibly timely, Virtual Selling, this gentleman is also a very successful entrepreneur and CEO. So I'm very uh, pleased to welcome to our show, Mr. Jeb Blunt. So Jeb, thank you so much for being thank on you. the Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, and I know a lot of viewers know who you are and Lord knows I've been studying your stuff for many years and you'll be happy to hear that I've promoted your books to many people <laughs> over the last several years. But for those who maybe don't know who Jeb Blunt is, just give us a brief synopsis of kind of your early years in sales and how you became such an in-demand sales icon today. Sure. I, you know, I've been selling my whole life. There's a... Uh... Really, don't, there's not m many points in my life where I wasn't doing something that was involved with either being an entrepreneur, which is essentially selling, or you know, or selling directly. I, you know, I started out of college. I worked for a company called Nutrisystem. I, I sort of honed my my uh, sales abilities there. Going back into high school, I sold ads for the yearbook and was the number one salesperson there. So that kind of got me started. I went to work for a company called Aramark uh, early on. Um, after I left Nutrisystem uh, in my early 20s and went all the way through that organization, it wasn't a very sexy product, but I got to sell to all kinds of different businesses, ended up being the vice president of sales for the organization. And then back in 2006, during the, 2006, 2007, 2008, during the last big economic downturn, uh, it, I was an executive that had a couple of assistants and a big high, you know, corner office and a big high rise. In the middle of all that, turned out they didn't really need people that were eating up that much payroll, so I had to go find something else to do. And I started my company, Sales Gravy, wrote my first book, and, you know, humble beginnings of, you know, working 24 hours a day and cold calling everybody that I could find and trying to close business everywhere. And, you know, several years of complete panic and, you know, worrying about whether or not I was even going to have a business or was I going to be greeting people at Walmart. And then slowly but surely, just one step at a time and one, you know, one customer at a time built this into a, a global sales training business with trainers. Uh, I've got 23 trainers on my team now. We teach companies on every continent except for Antarctica and we're, you know, now a $10 million operation. So, you know, 12 books later. So it's been a, it's been a really nice ride and the, but it's, you know, it's a, just an entrepreneurial story of, you know, when I started my company Literally, I went from a corner office in a big company to cold calling every human being that I knew and asking for an opportunity. Right. And that's something that we're finding more and more, you know, for those young entrepreneurs or even salespeople, you know, picking up the phone and calling. I know Fanatical Prospecting is a big book where you, you get in depth on generating business and being fanatical about it. And I find that with the modern technology, I feel like people are tending to forget the power of the phone, right? Just picking up the phone and dialing, cold calling, getting on the phone with those people. I know that's a valuable lesson we can take away. So Sales Gravy, obviously now you're the CEO of Sales Gravy and you gave a brief synopsis. What are some of the services that Sales Gravy offers? 
Well, we're, you know, we're a training and development company, so we primarily uh, deliver training for, for companies. We're, we're primarily in the B2B space, so companies that are selling to other companies. We, I've got a consulting arm, so uh, Keith Lubner runs, he's my executive vice president, he runs our consulting business, so we do a lot of work in sales acceleration consulting. So, for example, this morning I was on the phone uh, with a CEO from a big medical device company, and we were talking about how to effectively structure their sales team, so an inside versus an outside or a blend of the two. We work on projects like that. We also build a lot of training uh, curriculum, so especially onboarding for new salespeople. So we work with them, and then we, we license a lot of our content out as well. So we have a, an LMS called Salesgrave University, and we create a lot of content there. And then we'll, we'll have big companies, for example, um, you know, like Dell Computer or what have you, that will have a lot of people, and then they'll want content. So we'll, we'll, we'll send them a, a course or a multiple courses that they can use in their LMS. And then I have another company called Knowledge Studios, and we build e-learning for governmental organizations, we, uh, you know, commercial organizations, nonprofits. There's nothing to do with sales. It's just anything. So if you were, for example, you know, you needed to create a training video for how to run a tank, um, you know, we, would, we would send our crews on sites. So we have Studio Complex. We've got our own producers, directors, you know, animators. So we can build just about anything and build it on any platform. And we see that is, you know, as a, a big wave of the future as organizations are looking at, you know, how to train people that aren't in the same place and blending that in with, with remote learning. And it turns out that a lot of organizations just aren't very good at doing that because it takes a lot of technical acumen. Plus, the equipment's really expensive. So, uh, you know, when you, if you really want to build that and send a crew out, you need to have good equipment. And you can hire video crews, but you can't hire video crews that understand e-learning. So you're like they're building a commercial, and you're trying to teach people. So we think that there's a, a big opportunity in in that particular space. And then you know, and, I, and the virtual world's been good to us because we we have the studio complex here. We spent about a million dollars over the last year building this out, and we start training people in Tokyo and follow the sun all the way around the earth. Um, so we'll start early in the morning, you know, in Japan, and then we go, we end up in, you know, on the East Coast in the afternoons. So it's uh, our, our the West Coast in the afternoons. So it's been a, you know, it's been a really good ride for us in the virtual world. But uh, it's certainly something that most people are struggling with and how to and how to combine the tech. I mean, even like your set right there, um, you know, not a lot of people know how to set up. A, it's like you're in front of a green screen, but you've got a really nice looking set. And just not a lot of people know how to do that. You know, one of the things I congratulate you on is you're standing up, yep. um, which a lot of people don't do. And no, I'm here to do that for you because I've watched a lot of your videos. I know you're always standing because we've yeah. done a few podcasts sitting and it doesn't have the same feel. Like It doesn't. Well, it looks good. And so if you, if you just look, take a look at you, you've got a really nice horizontal and vertical line. So it looks normal. So it looks like I'm having a conversation with you normal. And most people don't know how to do that. So really powerful stuff. So I think that the... I think the iteration for you know the world and for us as a company has been out of the classroom and into the virtual world, and and then how can we see ahead of the curve and know where we're going to go next? Uh, and like you said, you know, like the phone is like it's the ultimate tool. I mean, ever I mean, the day that Alexander Graham Bell you know spoke to Watson, sales started right. That was when we could start you know picking up the phone and call people. And I and I think that that you know. That discounting the power of picking up the phone and having a conversation uh, is is at your peril. It's yeah. it's the greatest and most important tool that you have, despite all the technology around us. Right. 
I think a lot of people, for some reason or the other, are hiding behind social media and emailing and texting and all this stuff, which, again, you want to have that in the mix, certainly, but there's nothing like picking up the phone and being aggressive and being proactive and going after it, right? Well, I'll give you just, you know, I don't tell everybody this secret, but I'll tell your, you know, your viewers uh, just a, a, a basic secret and your listeners a basic secret. The more people that you talk with, the more stuff you'll sell. So if you're sending emails and hiding behind social media, those are not having conversations. You are not talking with people. Those are typically typically asynchronous communication channels where you're not in real time. So go talk with people, and there's no better tool in the world for talking with people than the phone because you can do it quick, and it's easy, and it doesn't take a lot of uh, a lot of hard work. And the cool thing is, and I see I have one right in my back pocket, everybody's carrying them with them. And this is my only phone number right here. Yeah, that's good. Maybe I can extract that from you later. (laughs) (laughs) But you got enough people. Um, Yeah, so now, while it's fresh in my mind, because you're kind of talking about setting your virtual setting and making sure that you have the proper, you know, lighting and the lines and all that, are you... Are you preferring a, a real background, or do you prefer a virtual, or do you think it's case by case depending on the setting? I, I think it depends on the setting. I think that the you know the the, the most important thing is the most important thing is audio. So uh, it's getting audio right. That's going to be the hardest thing for people because of you know room tone, room noise, echoes. So getting the right microphone set up, those type of things are really important. So for example, we use a Sennheiser. Um, this is a, you know, it's, it's basically a wireless pack. But this microphone, this little microphone right here, it costs nine hundred dollars. So it's a very expensive microphone, but the sound is clear. It's a good tone. You can use it outside, inside, and so we use this when we're when we're you know rolling you know outside or we're working with organizations. So, and it works really well in situations like this. So, but I think the backdrop is, you know, when you start thinking about backdrop, if you think about just three things, audio need to have that. Mm-hmm. You need to have good framing, which you're, you're I mean, you're really setting a great example of what fr- good framing looks like. You can see your hands, right? So, which is a nice thing. So when you, because if you can't see people's hands, your brain doesn't trust them. Right. Because we talk right. with our hands. Are you hiding? Yeah. So you really want to try to be, you know, somewhere in here. And because you're standing up and I'm standing up, I can move away from the camera, move towards the camera. So I have the ability to use my body to emphasize what I'm, what I'm saying. So that's important as well. And then the backdrop, you know, there's great virtual backdrops that you can use. And, and yours looks great because you've got good lighting. Yeah. So if you've got great lighting, your virtual backdrop is going to look fantastic. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Yeah. I've got a real backdrop. I used to do everything I did on a green screen. And I've got a 48-foot green screen on the studio just right over there. And, uh, and, and it's harder because you're constantly trying to manage the... Uh, the the lighting and and making sure that it's right and if you move too fast it'll break sometimes it'll break the the backdrop so you just gotta be careful with those things but if you can get the space right and you get the lighting right a virtual backdrop is awesome because you can like you can change things out uh, in this this particular room which would be the studio we call the clubhouse we built this on purpose there are some things about it that I still don't like and we're working on so I think that you know I think that the the most important thing is that, is that you don't have a backdrop that is, you know, a white wall or a beige wall or something, you know, it's like a, a window behind you where it's washing you out yeah. uh, because the light's behind you. That's the most important thing. And if you can have something interesting that people want to look at, that's good as well. Uh, but but uh, I would say that your virtual background is awesome. It looks really, really good. 
and their framing's great. And you know, I, I, you've you've picked the um, you know the rule of thirds, so you're in one third of the of the frame, which they try to get me to do all the time, but I won't. So um, so I, I think uh, I think getting your backdrop right, getting your lighting right, and your lighting will drive your background if you have a virtual background, and then getting the sound right. Those are the most important things that you can do. Yeah, I actually uh, made an 11 step virtual sales process for home services companies that's on our platform. And one thing I mentioned, because obviously a lot of salespeople in this industry, you know, if they have their, their studio set up at home, if they're stuck at home, because a lot of these companies don't have a location at the office where they can set up a studio, you're going to see like their dirty laundry in the background yeah. and, you know, just like some weird wall that's kind of like an ugly color. So I think it's important that salespeople in our industry have a backdrop, a virtual background that's congruent with the product they're selling. So what I did is I created a bunch of virtual backgrounds for if I'm selling windows, Good. if I'm selling siding or roofing, or if I'm selling a dream shower, is that, that implanting that imagery to your prospect's mind throughout the sales encounter, I think is really important and the quality that you're portraying throughout versus like, again, a wall in your, in your apartment. Yeah. Right? <laughs> no, I think that's I think that's good. And I think the fact that you've created backgrounds for them, it's a really great service because, you know, I'd send people to Canva and go just, go, you know, go to Canva, grab an image. It's really easy on Canva. It's, it's free and you can build it. But if you've built them for for them and, and, and you're exactly right, you know, we do like when we're we're doing demos of our studio we 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 have different studios that we train in there there are four sound studios in this studio complex at our office and we always start off in the studio that has the backdrop that connotes what we want so this is a fun backdrop it's the clubhouse it's intimate so we do trainings with small groups in here and we have a, a bigger studio over there called the virtual training studio that's got a really like cool sales gravy backdrop and a you know, and a, 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 a one of those smart boards that's fun to write on. And and we do this with full production as well. So we've got, you know, we use a black magic boards to run everything off of. So it, you know, I think that by, by having your backdrop be your windows or doors or a shower encasement, whatever you're working on, I think that, that, that matters because you are implanting that into their brain and you're creating a level of trust and, and, and you don't want your dirty laundry in the back and you don't want your dogs back there and you want to manage your background noise. So you want to handle all those things and you want to make sure that it's interesting. And uh, so, but the most important thing with a virtual background is you got to get the lighting right. Cause if you get the, if the lighting is not right, then it, you start breaking the background or if you use a green screen backdrop, which is a good thing, uh, you still need to have the lighting right on that. So I would, I would say, Use a virtual background, and the most important thing is then test it, and then light it, and then test it, and light it, and test it until you get a really good look. Yep. That when you go back and look at the recording, you feel great. You feel great about. So that's that's uh, super important. The other thing you can do, I think, especially for your salespeople in uh, you know in home services, is a lot of us have the tendency to want to talk at the webcam in our computer. Right. Get a webcam yeah. now. Everything Logitech is sold out right now, so it's just like gone. Uh, but there is a uh, Zoom, which is not the, not the webinar group, but Zoom is a, uh, a company that makes audio products uh, for professional audio, for podcasters, that type of thing. They've got a, I think it's called a Q4. Um, go look it up. I, think, I believe it's a Q4, Zoom Q4. And if you type that in, you'll get something close to it. They've got a really fantastic uh, uh, webcam that has a built-in mic. It's, yep. got a, it's a pretty decent mic, and uh, so you can talk at the mic. And if you set that up on a up on a tripod, uh, yep. maybe in a ring light or something like that, and a ring light is, is really perfect. The setup that we use it with is a ring light. 
it'll give you a good look and uh, and give you a good sound, and it allow, also allows you to put in a uh, a lav mic. Um, I like the uh, what do we use? We use the say what this is. It's a Rode Go, okay. um, and uh, it's a it's a it's a mid level like two hundred and fifty dollar uh, lav mic that you can run through the Zoom. That uh, then you can then you can play with the different microphones to go with it until you get a good sound. But that uh, that Rode mic is last time I checked, B and H still has some available. Yeah. But if you're like if you're listening to this, I'm Logitech is just I mean it's gone. There's a webcam that you can find anywhere. Oh man, and that's so important because I know that some manufacturer even talking about repositioning the location of the camera because when when I first got into virtual selling for home services, it was very challenging because I'm trying to look at the camera at the top because I want to maintain eye contact with the prospect, right? Yes. But at the same time, they're like down here. So it's always awkward. It's like, where do I look? Because I want to pay attention to their body language. I want to pay attention to their nonverbal cues. But at the same time, I'm looking up at this camera because I want them to have that feeling. I'm looking them in the eye. So I think that's a really good point. Just make sure you have a webcam that's more front and center. So when I'm looking at the camera, like I'm looking them in the eye. There's if you go to um, if you buy the book there's a there's a link in the book we have a playbook where a lot of the technical like I don't I just got links to so you can go buy all these things right. but I'll show you something real quickly um, one of the the most important things is uh, is is line of sight so this is my very favorite tool in the world it is a is it's just a basic little stand yep. you can see it's got feet on it and it's a laptop stand. Uh, you can buy it at B and H. I've got a link to it in in the book, uh, and I think it's sixty bucks. And if you get the if you get the little tray on the side that I put my water on, add another ten. And the nice thing about this is it'll lift all the way up. So when you have your webcam in front of you, what you do is you put your laptop on this, mm-hmm. and then you get the laptop up so it's as close to the camera as possible. Yeah. So that when you're looking at the camera, you can see the person below you. And yeah. like for right now, where I'm, I'm seeing you, you see me look down every once in a while because I can, I can, like if I look right here, I'm looking directly at your face. Yeah. But you're on a monitor that is literally just maybe a half inch off of our camera down. Okay. We're, we've got new te- technology now and the big studio next to us now. It's expensive to buy this. It was like a $3,000 spend. <clears throat> and it is, a, it is a, a screen that fits over the camera that superimposes your face on the screen so that when we're talking at the camera, we're looking directly in your eyes. Wow. It is the coolest thing ever. So, uh, it, but it's really, really expensive. So most people aren't going to spend that much money, but this is a, you know, this is a $50 laptop stand that you can stand up next to. You put it right under the camera. Put, I usually, I like the little ring lights with a couple of LED lights on the side to kind of give you good lighting and that'll help with the virtual backgrounds that you've created for your folks. And then you set your laptop on there and just get the screen of the laptop as close to bottom of the camera as possible so you can't see it on the camera, and that helps. But this, this, this concept of eye contact is, is important, and there's a, a, by about 30,000 pages in the book around the psychology of eye contact and on video calls. So one of the things is exactly what you said. Like, I want to look at you. Like, I, everything inside of me is I want to look at your face. Yeah. But to look at your face means I have to break eye contact with you. So I'm talking to you right now just on this camera. But your brain is going, he's not talking to me yeah. until I look back at the camera. Now, when I'm looking at the camera, it feels like you're talking to me. But my brain doesn't feel good because I want to look at you. Yeah. And this is called the eye contact paradox. Mm-hmm. And it is real. <clears throat> so... For you, my customer, to feel good about me, you need to look me in the eye. 
for you to look me in the eye, I need to be looking at the camera. And especially in home services where people are, you know, and, and, and at this point in time right now where we've got a lot of uncertainty about the economy, when someone's hiring you to work on their home, they're putting a lot of trust in your hands. And everybody's heard the horror stories. So they want to look at you. They want to see you. They want to see your body language. They want to believe that they can trust you. And first of all, if your dirty laundry's in the back, they're not going to trust you. But 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 if they look like you do right now on this call, I mean, if they look this way, you're, you're going to be a lot more trustworthy. Yep. But eye contact matters. So then what happens is you have to train your brain to pay attention to the peripheral. And this isn't something that happens overnight. But 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 science has proven there's data behind this. And I've got the citations in the book that you can train your brain to pay attention to micro expressions of the person that you're having a conversation with, even though you can't see them. And I've been doing this, I've, I've made thousands of hours of video calls and my brain is still screaming, look at you. It just wants to, right? So you have to do that. Now, if you have like sets like you and I have, one of the benefits is I can back up. So when I really want to pay attention to you, but I don't want to lose eye contact, but I kind of want to look at you too, what I can do is I can back up a little bit. I'm still straight up and down, good vertical horizontal lines, but at this point now I'm able to see you a little bit more than I can when I get close to the camera where I lose you just a little bit. But the most important thing is teaching yourself that the discipline to look at the camera. The camera is who you're talking to. The camera is your customer But because eye contact matters greatly along with allowing them to see your hands. If they can only see here, they don't trust you. Yeah, I know there's a lot of numbers that people throw out, you know, the number that I usually try to abide by and train people on is aim for like 75% eye contact if you can. And some people have varying numbers because you can overdo eye contact too, where it's like you never yeah. take your eyes off and like, what the heck's wrong with this guy, right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, kind of rewinding, um, I'm always curious because obviously if you read your books, clearly you've done a, a boatload of research on psychology and how the brain works and emotions. Kind of rewinding back to your early days, who would you say stood out to you as like a mentor to you or a coach to you or someone that really inspired you to almost be fanatical about educating yourself on this stuff, right? Well, you know, the, my, my very first like real sales manager. So yeah. I'd had, you know, I'd, I'd, had other, I'd had other leaders. So I go back to Mary Gardner, who I worked for at, uh, at Nutrisystem. You know, she gave me books to read and help me uh, and, and taught me a lot about leadership. But my very first, like, real, like, you know, hardcore sales manager was a guy named Bob Blackwell. And I dedicated fanatical prospecting to Bob. And I remember, like, I'd, I'd worked for him for, like, five or six days. And he handed me, you're way too young to remember this, but, uh, but it used to be that, like, when you wanted to listen to someone, you didn't go to Audible. You had these things called cassette tapes, and you would put them in the cassette player in your car. And they, and they came in these beautiful boxes that would open up like a book. And you would order them. I used to order them online. I loved them. Like I listened to Jim Rohn. I, I burned Andy, Anthony Robbins. You know, I, I listened to him over and over and over again because I'd wear him out. Yep. But he handed me Brian Tracy's Psychology of Selling and gave it to me. and said, "Listen to this," and which you can still listen to. You can get it on Audible a day. You can get it on BrianTracy.com. But yep. I listened to it over and over and over and over again. I could almost repeat it. So when I was in my car, I listened to it, and. And that was the beginning of, you know, of the lesson of whenever you are in your sales day, listen to things that help you, like make sure that you're, you're paying attention. So I was always listening. Uh, he would give me books to read. I would read books. So I got into the habit. It was a Brian Tracy habit that, you know, it was one of the things he talked about a lot. 
and that is to read 15 minutes every day. So when you get up in the morning, 15 minutes. And I always had a book, and I would, and I still do it today. And I have 15 minutes of professional reading every single morning, and then I can move on to everything else. And it's amazing how fast you can move through a book that way. And then I would, when I would get in my car, I'd be listening to audio books, and and we didn't have podcasts back then, but we had, you know, we had the, the audio programs, and I would listen to those, and uh, and that really, you know, drove me to. To, to pay attention and to learn. And, and by the way, you know, Bob was an amazing sales strategist. So he was mean and he was, you know, he'd kick you in the rear end really quick. Um, and Bob, if you're listening to this, I know you weren't really mean, but you were, I mean, he was tough guy to work for, but he also, you know, it, he got me interested in human psychology and, 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 you know, how people operate and how you interact with people and the ability to read people and, and make, you know, make on-the-fly changes in the way that you're dealing with folks based on how they're responding to you. And he was just a master at that. And, um, and I, I learned from him. And, like, and just one of the, the things, I wrote about this in, in uh, Sales EQ, but one of the things that he did for me personally that I think was the, probably the greatest lesson I had was called murderboarding. And when you were working on a deal or an opportunity, we would just sit in his office, sometimes with multiple reps, sometimes by yourself, but just with him. And he would make you go through the deal and find out all the holes in your deal and basically try to follow those holes down to the place where the deal would, would end and you would kill the deal. And, and what it made you do is go through the process of rethinking what you thought you knew, what you were presenting, uh, how, you know, were you are you delusional about whether they really are interested in working with you? Uh, and so I think it was I think it was super important. And if you think about you know in, in home services how important that is. You're you know either on a virtual you know virtual call or virtual call or like I was I'm hiring a guy to redo my my driveway. I mean he wasn't virtual. He came out to see me, but we walked down the driveway together and did social distancing. And, you know, in those situations, you know, are you really reading the buying signal? Are you asking the right questions? Are you talking too much? Are you doing those things? I learned all that from a great leader who just pounded it into my head and then got me super interested in it. After I got good at selling, then I wanted to go back and figure out what I was doing. And that's how I basically started reverse engineering. And, you know, a book like Sales EQ is essentially just reverse engineering what's happening when, when you're closing business. Yeah, and obviously, you know, you look at a lot of your books, really the core of what your books talk about is emotional intelligence, sales EQ, and of course, being able to control your own inner monologue, your own emotions, and of course, being able to really set the tone emotionally for your sales encounter, right? Yes. So why do you feel that emotional intelligence is so important, you know, for people that maybe don't understand sales EQ or maybe haven't dove deep into your books yet? Why is that you feel just like the core of sales and it's so important? Well, if you think about it, you know, and what are we doing in sales and sales? I mean, we're obviously helping people solve a problem, but we're trying to influence someone's decision. Mm -hmm. So if someone like me, I've got a, I've got a, uh, a big driveway problem. I have a, a cabin up in the mountains and the, basically the driveway goes like this and it's, it's a disaster. And we're not talking, this is not a cheap fix. Like it's going to be a $75,000 job minimum to fix my driveway. So, so you know when you when you think about what's happening there, the, I'm looking at multiple contractors to do this work. I'm not just I'm not stupid. I'm not going to go get one person. So I'm looking at multiple ones. I'm going to choose the contractor that influences me to believe that they're the one that's going to that I can trust to get the job done. And it is this is not about price because you don't spend seventy five thousand dollars on a driveway, right? And and that's like this. 
and try, and try to pick the cheapest one because that's not a good thing because there's there's a lot of a lot of bad things that can go wrong in this particular scenario. So when you start thinking about that, what we're thinking about is and what we're doing is we're influencing other people to comply with our request. Mm-hmm. Let me give you an example. If let's just say that I I, I take care of roofs. Yep. Well, I need to ask, can I go up on your roof? If the person says no, how can I give them a quote? So mm-hmm. if, I, if they say yes, I, I, I influence them to comply with that request. If I say, well, can I come back and have another meeting with you to walk through our quote? Yes. Okay, that's complying with the request. Can you bring your wife in or your husband in so we can talk together? You're asking for that. That's complying with your request. Let's sign the contract. Let's get the money in. All right. of those things are you're asking someone to do something and comply with your request, and that requires you to influence them to say yes. Yeah. Sometimes it's easy to influence people, I and mean, they just like you because you're just cool, you know. And you, yeah. you you come up right, and you show up, and you're and you, you have a backdrop like that on a virtual call. I'm like, I'm gonna buy everything from you, man. <laughs> so so that sometimes that's really easy, and sometimes it's a lot harder. So if you think about that, your job is to influence people. Mm-hmm. And, and to influence people, you have to manage your own emotions. And emotional intelligence is the ability to, to respond to and understand someone else's emotions, mm-hmm. while at the same time recognizing your own emotions and being able to control those emotions. And there's a couple of things you have to recognize. First, in every sales conversation, the human being that exerts the greatest amount of emotional control has the highest probability of getting the outcome that they desire. And when all things are equal, and in most cases all things are equal, it's the, your prospect or your customer's emotional experience of going through the process with you that is the most consistent predictor of outcome of any other variable. So if you think about those two things together, right? So them having a great emotional experience with you means that you are, you are influencing them in the right way and that you are, are, are responding to their emotions in the right way because you're able to control your own disruptive emotions that often conflict with your ability to influence other people. So, so that's why emotional intelligence is so important, and it's also important because it's the one thing that you can influence yourself. Like you can, you can, you can work on and develop and grow and hone your emotional intelligence. And it's a lifelong endeavor. I work at it every single day. You know, every time I get on a sales call, you know, I have to like talk to myself and and focus on what I'm saying and not interrupting people and not you know getting too excited. All the same things that every sales rep everywhere deals with. But awareness is the mother of change, right? So if you can become aware of the, the emotions, you have the ab- ability at least to rise above them. If you can rise above your emotions, then you have the ability to influence the emotions of other people. And, and do not mistake this. Sales is emotional. This is the way people buy. It's the way we make decisions. It's all emotion. You think it's the price of whatever service you've proposed. It is not the price. It is how they feel about you first, and then everything else comes into play. Because if they like you, they're going to say this. They're going to say, I really want to do business with you, but... We need to work over here on these things. Now I'm negotiating. So they've already picked me. Now we're negotiating. But until they say that, you're just another bid. Didn't you say that's some of your favorite words to hear, right? Those are my very favorite words. <laughs> Jeb, I want to do business with you, but. Because I can, once that happens, I know they've selected me as yep. the vendor of choice. And then from there, we can always work out the but. I mean, it's very, very rare once someone picks you that you're not able to work something out. Yeah, it's always interesting to me. I talk to sales crowds. We do seminars and stuff where, you know, we don't have thousands of people, but we have hundreds of people. And I'll ask large groups of salespeople how they define a salesperson. And the the agent of influence type of mentality almost never comes up Mm because we we define a a salesperson as an agent of influence that influences other people in the direction which they want them to go. Mm -hmm. 
And the yes. big thing I train my salespeople, as soon as you walk in the house, you're the thermostat, not the thermometer, meaning you control the environment around you. Yes. You're the one regulating what's, what's happening. They're responding to what you're doing. And we have some crazy stories where a salesperson will walk into a house because the client, all they need is a leaky faucet repaired and we're not mm -hmm. a repair service. And he's able to pinpoint a problem with their windows and influence them to all of a sudden invest 20 grand and replace some windows. I guarantee yes. the client didn't wake up that morning and say, you know what? I know we got a leaky faucet here, but I could really go for 20 grand in windows once this guy goes up. So it's really powerful stuff. But yeah, keying to their emotions and creating that want, that desire, that burning mm -hmm. desire for your product. You know, we, we train heavily on the masterful presentation. Of course, the masterful presentation is everything you do from the moment you get up to the customer's house mm -hmm. or do a virtual call. But the customer should be saying that I want it or I must have it. Or they really want what you're selling. Then closing becomes easy, right? Absolutely. Mostly attached to it. But that really resonates uh, a lot with me when I was reading your books is, you know, really keen to their emotions, but also knowing how to take those necessary pauses in the heat of the moment, right? And your book objections and your book angst, I think those two are so important in all sales, being able to understand the closing psychology of it, but also how to negotiate and control your emotions, right? Yeah, this past week we were buying some furniture and we were, and it wasn't, I mean, maybe a $4,000 purchase on furniture, my wife and I, and, uh, and, and I made the mistake, like I made the mistake of putting out a really firm buying decision because we, like we were going to buy the furniture. Yeah. And so then I went to negotiate. So I'm like, I really want to get this furniture. So if I buy it all, what can you, you know, what can you do for me? And the, the, the guy that was selling it to me who owned the place did a masterful job. He caught himself for just a moment. And, and then he, he, he took a deep breath and then he basically stated his case and his case was, well, you know, I only have so much furniture to sell because of the COVID thing. I can't get resupplied. So I'm not able to give you any discounts right now. And I'd already made the buying decision. So I went, okay, okay. you know, and we, we bought the furniture. So, you know, and I knew what he did to me. Like, I, I mean, I was there in the moment, but I wasn't controlling my emotions. I was already a buyer. And he was just smart enough to let me do the work versus trying to talk me into it or anything like that. And I think that that's why I say, you know, in every situation, the person who has the most control of their emotions has got the highest probability of getting the outcome that they want. And, and, and like you said, you know, I think the masterful, masterful presentation is really important. Go back to Bob. You know, one of the things I learned from him was everything's a show. Like everything that you do is part of the long-term chess game. So you're thinking now, what am I doing? So for example, like we would go into manufacturing plants and he's like, you always take a, a, a big measuring tape with you and you want the biggest one that you can get. And you're like, and you're wearing a suit, but you hook it on your belt. So you walk in, cause they're looking at, why do you have the measuring tape? And then we would, you know, we, we would walk in the back and we like may walk down the locker rooms or walk in the back dock or like walk up to a piece of equipment. And if I was with him, he would go, he would go, you get that measuring tape with you? And I go, yeah. And I would pull it out and he would get one end of it and he would t do this big thing on the door. It didn't make a difference what it was. And then we would write down the measurements and then, and we would, and we would do this all over the place. And, and finally we would get to the thing we really wanted to measure. And the, the, the people that were with her just fascinated because no one else did that. Like no one else has taken the time to like be involved and get hands on and create this tangible experience that people have. That's what I mean. Like the emotional experience that you create as you go through the process, like that's what 
what people are buying from you. And the person who can flip a leaky faucet into $20,000 worth of windows is doing exactly that. They're creating that experience. Like you get the big tape when you walk up to the window and you measure the window and like, why are you measuring the window? And you're like, well, no, it was outside. I noticed that you've got a little gap over here, and it's creating some, some draft. Have you noticed that your, um, your electric bill's been going up lately? Well, everybody notices their electric bill going up. And I go, yeah, it does. Like, so, so confirmation bias. Now I'm looking at that, and I'm, I'm going, well, just, you know, we could do this, 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 and this. And so all of a sudden, through your, your show and your ability to manage your emotions and create a great experience for people, they're happy to buy the windows. It makes them feel good. And by the way, when they get the windows in, they're like, man, it's so much better around here. One thing you mentioned in your, your book, Inked, obviously that book is really based around the ability to negotiate, right? And one thing you mentioned is salespeople in general suck at negotiating because they don't really get much training on that, right? And I guess, why do you feel people, I guess, don't live up to the type of training they should? Why, why is negotiating skipped over when it comes to sales training when it's such a vital part of the whole process? I think part of it is that people are very uncomfortable with negotiating. So there are people who are really, really good negotiators out there, and you're going to run into some of them when you walk over the threshold into somebody's house. There's no doubt that you're going to find people that are just brilliant at negotiating. And, and, and in a lot of cases, the people that own the company, they're, they're pretty good at negotiating because they're looking at the dollars and cents. So they, they, they've got a real eye on margin. And, and before I move into, let me answer your question, I want to make sure in the virtual world, especially during COVID, um, you've got to be very careful that you know where your margins are. And this is especially directed to business owners because you're going to be desperate in some cases to sell something because you need it, because you need the cash flow. If you don't understand where your limits are, you're, you could get yourself in trouble really quickly doing negative cash flow deals thinking that this is going to help you. So it's real important that you've got limits set for yourself and for the people that work for you uh, and, uh, and do that. But if we just think about training and, and, and overall, most people in the Western world aren't very good at negotiating because we don't grow up doing it. It's not part of our world. And I say most, not all, but most. Like my mother is a killer negotiator. Like she's just brutal. I, I, I never want to negotiate with her because you're going to lose. Uh, but, but in most cases, we're, we're, we don't have that ability. And so if you start thinking about sales trainers in particular, so people who train salespeople, we have a tendency to focus on prospecting and objections and closing and, you know, and, and presentation and things like that. But when it comes to negotiating, we kind of treat it as like it's a afterthought because we're not really good at it either and we don't really like doing it so we've got that problem plus salespeople don't invest a lot of time in negotiating so they're not reading books and there's only a couple that have ever been written about negotiating inks one of them yeah. uh, and they don't study that as a craft and uh and i tell a story in the book about when it like it really got to me was when i had a sales manager point out that after I made my quota for the year, after I made my number, I became a lot better negotiator. And, and then, you know, I looked at all the, the business I was given away before that. So a lot of, I don't think a lot of salespeople have awareness of what it costs them to be a poor negotiator when it comes to their paycheck. Yeah. And, and probably, you know, the, if we look at, take all that away, the number one reason why salespeople suck at negotiating is because they have empty pipelines. And when you have an empty pipeline, you're desperate. And when you're desperate, you get bitten by the universal law of need, which says that the more that you need the deal, the more you're willing to give away to get the deal. So in a lot of cases, you're just giving away your paycheck when you don't have to just because you're desperate. Yeah. Take my business owner I bought the furniture from. His whole demeanor 
right there in the moment was. I could see, like he, I could see it. Now I don't know whether he would have let me walk away. I wasn't planning on it because I needed the furniture because I was, I, 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 like I had a very short period to buy it in. But his demeanor was, I'll let you walk away, and and I didn't, I like I wasn't willing to play chicken with that, so so I bought the furniture. But like, but he, I think he just felt like. And I really believed him that he's going to sell this one way or the other, either to me or somebody else. So doesn't matter. And when you can sell like it doesn't matter, you're the best negotiator in the world. You know, I'm really happy when I read your books that you emphasize these specific areas, whether it be closing or negotiating. But you really emphasize that that doesn't omit the, the importance of following the process, right? Yes. System reigns supreme. And we're firm believers on that, having a, a step-by-step methodology that you follow or process, and every part of that has to be dialed in, not just closing or not just negotiating. And why do you feel that some salespeople, they, they get into this, they think, well, as long as I can just know 150 closes or know how to negotiate, I'm going to be this expert salesperson, and then they half-ass the process, right? Yeah, the process matters more than anything. Because, I mean, first of all, you can't you can't separate. Let's talk about negotiating and in, in, in as a whole. You can't separate the process from negotiating. I mean, imagine that you get out of your truck and you walk up onto someone's lawn. You you knock on the door. They they invite you in. You walk past the threshold, and and before you do anything, you go. So the price for this is going to be boom. Yeah. I mean, imagine you skipped the entire thing. You didn't, you didn't diagnose. You didn't take a look at things. You didn't look at a pipe, a, a ceiling, a roof, a bathtub. You didn't look at any of those things. You just went straight to negotiating. What would happen? Mm-hmm. I mean, would they go, well, that's too much. I wasn't expecting to pay that. Well, you get into a negotiating battle. Would they kick you out and go, I'm going to talk to somebody else? Yeah. You can't do that. Like, you've got to start at the beginning. From the moment you step out of your truck, from the moment you walk up to the door, the entire process, what are you doing to set the stage to close the deal? and to get the price that you deserve for doing the work. What are you doing there? So the process matters, and the process makes, makes the outcomes incredibly predictable. So the process, follow the process, follow the process, follow the process. So I, I told you I worked for Nutrisystem, and I learned process really early on. Uh, that's back when, when it wasn't a mail order, or you, know, you would go, to, go online and buy your food, and they would send it to you. We had centers. And when you came into the center, and I learned this, you know, I was 20, maybe I was 20 when I first started working there, 21. But a person would come in and they would sit down and, and we would give them a form to fill out. And there was a purpose for that, right? So we were creating investment for them to fill the form out. And then, then you would come out and greet them, say hello, and you would take them to a before and after board where you would see clients who were before they had been on Nutrisystem and clients after they'd been on Nutrisystem. And then you would take them to the next stop on the tour where you would ask them questions about their past experience. And then you would move them to a future state where they could see what the future was going to look like for them. And then you would take them to another place. And then you would move them into a room where you would give them three options that they could purchase. And you would do that in that system. If you followed that system, you closed a lot of deals. If you skipped steps in that system, you didn't. And it was that simple, that basic. So the process matters greatly. Follow the process. And if you're not closing deals, you're skipping some step of the process. I guarantee you that's what's happening. Yeah, and that's really our goal at Grass University. And what I try to train people on is literally from the moment that salesperson wakes up in the morning, even before that, like when they go to bed, to the moment they wake up and have a full day of lead running, what exactly should you be doing? How does that day look, right? Step by step. And of course, what moment you pull up to that client's house and the moment you walk out with their, their business, what exactly is happening there, right? Even how you dress, your morning routine. That's stuff that's probably not talked about enough. 
you know, how you taking care of yourself. And that's what I love about your books is you, you really get into that stuff, right? Are you getting ample sleep? Are you getting a physical fitness regimen? Are you eating right? I mean, all these things that a lot of sales trainers don't really talk about, but it's all connected, right? It's all the process and you're always on parade, right? <laughs> and I think it's important to, you know, in and out of work, how am I carrying myself, right? Because it's going to translate into success. And I want to carry this over to virtual selling because for some reason or the other, I talked to hundreds of companies all over the country. When it comes to virtual selling, for some reason, I see companies going, they follow the process pretty good in the home, but then virtually it's just completely out the window. It's yeah. like they don't have any system. The, the process that works for them in the home is gone. And now instead of being in the home two hours or three hours, now it's like a, a 30 minute just order taking, throw a proposal at them and leave. I guess, you know, my, my experience of virtual lead running, I need to be even more dialed in than ever before, more systematic more methodical in nature because I have the physical barrier now, right? Yes. I understand a big part of being successful in sales is keeping them involved physically and mentally, putting things in their hands, engaging their senses, but you can't really do that as effectively virtually. So I gotta be more dialed in. Am I getting my commitments, my price conditioning effectively? Am I you know, getting the trial closes? Am I emphasizing the differentiation, all that stuff the right way throughout the process? I guess, why do you feel people have this notion that virtually I should half-ass this all of a sudden? Distance has a, a way of deluding us into believing that the relationship doesn't matter. So for some reason or another, when we're apart, what, we skip all of the things that we would typically do to build the relationship. And I want your listeners to pay attention to exactly what you said. Yep. If you have to be more dialed in, and trust me on this, if you suck selling in person, you're going to suck 10 times worse selling virtually. So first of all, you have to be good and you have to be better and you have to run the system better and you got to slow down and you got to take your time. And it, the, the relationship building and the system and the process stays the same. Yeah. One of, the, one of the, the, the points that I make in virtual selling is that virtual selling is still selling. The process still matters. One thing I want you to, to, to think about is, um, is the experience that you give people on a virtual call and through a virtual selling system. So for example, it's like one of the things that goes away is probably the ability to go in to someone's home and look at a leaky faucet and sell $20,000 in windows. Cause right. you're going to miss some of that ability to see things that aren't there. So you're, you're probably going to be a lot more dialed in in a lane in those particular situations. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that those opportunities aren't going to present themselves, but you have to pay attention when you're doing discovery to what they're saying. And then maybe even schedule another meeting to have a conversation about that versus trying to throw everything into the bucket all at once. Mm -hmm. So you've got to, you've got to, you've got to have a plan. You've got to have a system. You've got to, first of all, you've got to dress well. I'm, you know, I'm, it's astounding to me how people show up on virtual calls everywhere. I'm, I like, I get on calls. And I'm like, gosh, I mean, did you wake up this morning and you were going to be on a call with me? Like I'm, I'm wearing a suit. Yeah, even high and, level people. You know, so why, why are you like, why are you wearing a sweatpants and sweats? I, I don't get it. So you, you need to look good, you need to, you need to plan well, and you need to follow a system, and you gotta slow down, and you have gotta be more dialed in, more prepared, have the right questions. You have to do those things on virtual calls. Virtual selling is still selling. The process did not change. The only thing that changed is that you're working through multiple channels. Yeah. It could be that you, you connect with your 
you know, with your customer on FaceTime and do a video and they take their phone and show you around the problem. And that could very well happen in a virtual sales call or a virtual situation, at least as an initial call. So I think that's super important. The other thing you want to think about in virtual selling is that you're probably going to have to go out and do some inspections. You're going to have to do some discovery. You're going to have to crawl under a house. You're going to have to do those things. So use the, the in-person time. So if you're going to get that in-person time with people, make sure that you're picking the right time to go in person. So some of your early calls could be on a video call so you can conduct a lot more early initial calls to see whether or not it's even a fit for you and your company. And then make sure that when you're getting in your truck or your car and you're going out to see people that um, in those situations that you're making it count. Uh, and my, 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 my uh, driveway is a perfectly good example of it. My first call was a virtual call. Uh, the second call was to come on site, do an inspection. And then the presentation is all going to be on a virtual call because I don't need to go see the person again. We've, we, yeah. we kind of got the plan down. I just need to see you know, the plan. And that can be done online. So I think you've got to gotta also think through your process and map your process back to what needs to be in person, what needs to be virtual. You know, definitely, depending on what product you're selling, it's crazy how much technology is available these days. Um, I don't know if you've heard of things like Eagle View and Hover, mm -hmm. and a lot of these technologies, yep. where whether it's siding, windows, roofing, we can get the measurements, the square footage ahead of time. We've had a lot of luck, believe it or not, getting the client before the virtual encounter with the sales and the closer, actually getting the measurements ahead of time. But yep. uh, what we usually do is we tee up a conversation via Zoom or whatever face chat that you prefer. And then we also have the ability to send a link, a text message to a customer's phone to do the walk around inspection part where they kind of take you around. Now, I'm really happy that you're saying this stuff because I, I swear I, I tell people this all the time that if I had a two and a half hour in-home presentation, it'd be at least three, three and a half hours virtually, the exact same client. Mm -hmm. Because I have that barrier, right? You're not able to use your environment to gain rapport with that person. You know, I can't look at the things on the wall and find the common, the common likes, dislikes, you know, build that relationship, be able to sell myself is easy. So now I need to be more methodical in nature and slow down and make sure I'm hitting every step even more thorough. So I'm really happy that, that you really. Yeah, I think, and, and I think, like you said, using technology, just imagine when we talk about um, in Sales EQ, the investment effect. So when people are investing in the process, they're more likely to see it through to an outcome. So you think about from a virtual world, if you go to the home and do all the measurement, the homeowner had, had no investment in that whatsoever. They had to do no work. But if you say to them, can you get me the measurements in advance, and then you can use your technology to build a plan or to, you know, if they can take pictures of you and you can bring it back and you can show them the different how siding looks on the, or the color of a roof or what have you, um, they're involved in the process. They're hands-on in the process, which makes them much more likely to follow it all the way through and, and to continue to work with you and commit to the next steps because, and it's, and it's a clear buying sign. Like if, if you sent me a note and said, can you do the measurements? And I went, nah, I mean, I'm not, I, I just don't have time to do that. I'd be telling you, you know, I may not just, I may just be a bad lead. I may not be someone who's really going to follow through and maybe I need to go spend my time and effort someplace else. If I go, yeah, I can do that for you. Tell me how. And you're like, man, you know, I'm a buyer. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a clear buying signal. I'm, I'm telling you, I want to get this project done. This means something to me. Mm -hmm. So, so I love that. And I think that it's not just now. There's more and more technology that's going to emerge that's going to make this easier and easier. Yeah. And um, like on the flip side of that. So, for example, I don't know if you ever heard of an Osmo, but um, it's a beautiful little thing that they put on on uh, the little uh, hovercraft things, the uh, yeah. drones, right? Yeah. But 
but there's a handheld one and it's called an Osmo 3. So what I'm able to do, so for example, let's just say I had a showroom and you know one of my clients uh, sells uh, permanent roofing. So, uh, you know, metal roofing and they have a big showroom. So I wanted to show off everything in my showroom, but they didn't want to come see me. Mm -hmm. So if I have an Osmo, I can hook a camera onto the Osmo. The Osmo, once it's, once it's balanced, pretty easy to use, it'll follow me. So all I need is another human being, right, to hold it, and they yep. can follow me around. And the Osmo is on a, on a gimbal, so it'll move anywhere you want it to go. So I can walk through, and I'm talking to them on a Zoom, and I'm saying, let's take a look at this over here. All I need is a person to do that. So now I can do, an, I can do a demo for them online using this technology that's going to get better and better and better. And by the way, the Osmo costs $129. Mm -hmm. That paired with an iPhone, and you're doing some really killer uh, you know, demos or micro demos for them. And that's the other thing, you know, with a virtual call, you can have more than one call. So you get, you know, you can, you can do multiple, you know, demos for them and show them and help them pick things. And every time that they get, they get on a call with you, every time that they, they do a little bit of investment, they're advancing and if they're advancing. You got momentum. If you got momentum, you're going to close the deal. Yeah. One thing we train heavily on at Gross University and really our methodology is based on a one sit close with the prospect. And surprisingly, we got people virtually selling clients at 40, 50% plus virtually on mm -hmm. first visit, just following the methodology. Killer. I don't know. I'm curious what your thought is on this. One thing that I'm training my clients to do that I did for myself, which I found to be incredibly powerful, is I actually shot videos in a studio like, like I have mm -hmm. here of each part of the presentation, right? So if I'm demoing a window, mm -hmm. I would actually film myself pre-recorded doing these these very important parts of the demo where I'm like, if I'm in the home, they have to see this, right? Mm -hmm. And I found I was getting the same reactions virtually that I would in the home. Like for example, the heat lamp demo for the windows, a big one. So I made a virtual, basically recreation of the heat lamp presentation and I would play that for people virtually. So you're kind of infusing the, obviously mm -hmm. the face-to-face -face via Zoom, you have the videos, you can get some emotional, if you have an emotional company story video, Yep. You can play virtually all these things. I guess you feel that that's a, a good strategy as well, making pre-recorded videos of the presentation elements. To Absolutely. You know, in, in your, you know, you're one call close. So I work in a little more complex deals. So yeah. if I messed anybody up, I apologize. So I'm oh, used okay. to, you know, I'm used to anywhere from, you know, three to 10 calls on a lot of the deals that we work on. Yeah. So, so for example, and, and we can, we'll, I'll try to, to, to close that gap. But like, I love micro demos. So I love exactly what you're talking about. So if I'm doing a micro demo, I can do a micro demo of one small thing. So imagine that you, you know, you've produced a lead. Now, I'm, you know, I don't produce leads like you do in the home services world in B2B, but you know, you've produced a lead and there's a gap between the time that you've called and that you're going out to an appointment or you have an appointment, but you know what they're interested in. So if you've got a little short video about your company, you can just text the video to them because I mean, we're talking about home services. They're giving you their cell phone number and right. all you can do is ask them, hey, can I text you a couple of things? They go, yeah. So once you're texting buddies, like life is good. So you can send them a micro demo. You can send them a demo of this and send them a demo of that. You can start educating them with insight prior to your actual meeting. One of the things that I do with, with video is if I have a meeting, we're going to be talking about this. I've got some great things to show you. I'm going to show you a demo of a few things. I'll see you Thursday at two o'clock. And I just text them over the video or email the video to them or I'll direct message it to them on Messenger or on WhatsApp or whatever they're using. Yep. So 
uh, or even these days, a lot of it's on Instagram. So, but the, the, the point is, is that you have the ability using video and using these tools to stay connected emotionally with that person so that you can, you can, you can actually set up that one call close and make it even, make it even better. And you think about a virtual call when you're doing that, like if you do those little micro demos and you can get things to them before the meeting, Mm-hmm. What's happening is you're creating uh, what we call virtual call lubrication. So they're getting to see your face. They're getting to see you as a human being. So when you show up, they don't have to focus on the fact that they're dealing with a stranger. You're normal to them. You're familiar to them. And the more familiar someone is with you, the more likely they're to, they are to engage and to buy from you because familiarity breeds liking. A couple of final questions here because, you know, obviously we're, we're getting on an hour and I want to be conscious of your time. Um, I think it's important that we talk about this. I find a lot of contractors in the home services space are very resistant to adopting and embracing virtual selling. It's very old school, obviously, the, the blue collar type mentality. And if you're, if you're giving advice to companies out there, I've given forecasts in the future of selling, I guess, why do you feel it's important that they embrace this, tech, this type of process and obviously get the right help and education to truly master it. Why do you feel that's something that they probably shouldn't ignore much longer? I think that, well, I think exactly what you said. I think that if you, if you fail to adopt and, uh, and adapt and, you know, new technology and new ways of, inter- of interacting with people, you're going to become extinct. There's just no other way around it. Now, I'm, I'm not discounting the fact that that in a lot of cases, especially home services, it is a blue collar industry. And there are contractors out there that are family businesses that have been around for a long time and tradespeople that are just really good at their trade and they built a business around that particular trade. So in some cases, you, you may be happy with where you are. You may be happy with the, with the growth that you've, you have as a business, the income you have, and you, you see no reason to change. The only problem with not changing is is that at the longer you stay where you are, the less business you're going to have. So you are going to be extinct at some point. And I am not, this by the way, is not a virtual versus face-to-face zero-sum game. This is not about, you know, you need to move everything to digital. Not at all. You know, home services in particular as an industry is intimate. You are in people's houses. They need to trust you. And, and it matters that you built a relationship with them. And I think it matters greatly, especially if you want referrals on the back end. So you got to be really good. And, you know, and I know the people that I do business with, and I, I do a lot of construction work because of the real estate that I own. Uh, and I'm very, 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 very loyal to people who yeah. are good to me. And in some cases, those people don't need, I got one person that works for me, they don't really need a virtual experience, a virtual, virtual relationship because he's, he's going to be perpetually busy because he works for me and he works for me all the time and he's pretty much full time. And then when he's not working for me, he, people know he's working for me. So they all want him working for them because they trust that relationship. But that's a, that's a, that's one subset of the world. If you're a business and you want to grow your home services business, you got to think communication channels. How do I communicate with people? And what are the channels available to me? And you mentioned several different technologies that are available for people. There are some things that are happening, you know, primarily in home services that I don't, I'm not privy to simply because, you know, it's in that particular space. And in, even in each professional 
segment, there's going to be some technology that's going to come out that's going to help you with working with your customers. So what you need to think about is this. There are two, two ways that you're going to communicate with people, synchronous and asynchronous. So synchronous is when I'm having a conversation like this. Asynchronous is when I send an email, I get an email back, send a text, get a text back, uh, but we're not in real time. And, and if you look at all of that, the only synchronous channel that is face-to-face -face is face-to-face. -face. Yeah. Outside of that, the rest of them are all virtual. Because all virtual is, is when you're communicating with someone and you're not face-to-face. -face. That's it. Mm -hmm. So the telephone, by the way, it's, I mean, it's digital, but it's the phone. So you can use the phone to talk to people. I bet you're doing it right now. You can use email. You can use text. Um, but there's so much technology that's available to you that you want to make sure that you're incorporating that and that just that just means that you have to you've got to change your mindset a little bit you have to open up a little bit i know it's scary i know it's tough and by the way i didn't answer one of your questions one of the reasons why salespeople are we'll call it premature elaborating they're you know they're talking at the person versus asking questions on video calls is because they're nervous with the technology and when you get nervous you start throwing up at the you know at the mouth and uh, and the same thing for these businesses. When you start adopting new technology, it makes you nervous that it's not going to be the same way it was before. And, and if there's one thing, I'll just leave you with this one story. I'm just living proof that it's possible. So when I started my company back in late 2006, early 2007, my whole world was selling in person, everything. I, I, I didn't even know that there was another way not to sell. I would meet with people and I would close business that way. And I was good at it, really good at it. And when I started my business, I bootstrapped this, this training business. I, I didn't have any investors. I used my own money. And there was no way that I could get on airplanes and go to, to meetings with people. I would go broke. And so, so I, it was necessary that I use virtual tools. And in some ways, virtual selling is the mother of, or, or necessity is the mother of virtual selling. So I learned how to use video and learn how to sell on the phone and learn how to use tech and all these different technologies that we've had that have continued to evolve. I mean, today I make sales calls in India on WhatsApp. So, I mean, why, it's a beautiful little tool that I can use anywhere. So I had to learn, and I grew from me and no revenue to a little over $10 million a day and doing nothing but virtual calls. That's all we do. And, and, and I've, I've closed a couple of things on person, and we, you know, we do in-person calls when it makes sense, but almost everything is virtual. But I had to change everything i had to learn everything and when this thing hit this COVID thing hit you know we i turned this book around in 60 days i learned that you can write a book in 60 days where you think it takes 18 months to write one it turns out that you can write one fast if you need to and the th same thing for your business it turns out that you can change your business and you can make the investment and you can learn to use these tools and you can blend them into the process this processes that you're already using right now and it will make you more efficient, more effective, and it will grow your business faster. It will accelerate the growth, but you have to you have to open up your mind, adopt the new technologies, adapt them to your business, and then work at it until you become really good at it, uh, and you become adept at using it. And at that point, you're going to see that you're going to rise above. You're going to start separating from your competitors, which I think is is uh, is like that's always my goal: is how can I separate from my competitors? especially in home services because there's so few people using virtual mm -hmm. consultations as even an option so you don't want a client yep. signing up for that that there's very few competitors you've been competing mm -hmm. with and kind of to your point um i got forced into virtual selling for home services when 
COVID first hit. And I was kicking myself because I ran my first virtual appointment and admittedly it was a complete and utter disaster because of what you said, it's foreign. I'm not used to talking at the camera. I'm used to being there in person. I didn't know how to use all the different technologies and sequence. I emailed the guy the proposal and then he shut the thing off on me instead of you know holding onto that leverage that you talk about, right? Yep. There's so many things. And then I'm like, Dominic, just focus on the process. The process does not change, right? Like, why are you going so far off script? It's just, you have the virtual barrier, but it's still the same type of person, right? And then once I kind of, it clicked for me and I started going back to what worked for me in the home and just reimagined it virtually, then I was like light bulb. And then I was able to kind of orchestrate the technologies the right way and put it all together. But yeah, I think that's so important is just throw yourself into it and it's going to feel uncomfortable just like anything new at first. But then once you adopt it, uh, my partner and myself, Nick, we made an entire webinar on all the advantages of virtual selling. There's so many advantages to it. And everyone, obviously, human nature gravitates towards the negative, right? Mm-hmm. But if you really sit there and think about the advantages of not having to drive all over no man's land, and you know, you're not as concerned about what your breath smells like, you can put a filter on your Zoom to make yourself look pretty. That's like, true. You have a virtual background, you don't have to wear a mask. If you're in yes. person, a lot of times you have to wear a mask, right? You don't have to virtually. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of advantages, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. But once you really get into it, you really appreciate the benefits of virtual. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. So, no, it's all excellent stuff. And the last thing is the whole concept of e-learning. Because obviously that's something that we're really massive on at Grass University is e-learning. And I know obviously it's sales gravy and a lot of the businesses that you're involved in, that's a huge topic. I guess, why do you feel companies should pursue an e-learning platform and, you know, the importance of continued education and continue to sharpen the X? Why is it important for not just salespeople, but sales, the whole sales environment? Well, I think that, I think, first of all, learning is, is incredibly important, whether you're learning through listening to a book, reading a book, online courses, uh, it, learning in seminars, what have you, you should be investing in yourself all the time. And especially in sales, because sales is, it's like sports. The, the, the things that we learn are perishable. So we learn things a day. We have to re-up that learning all the time. Even me, and I write the books. And, uh, and, it, and it may sound weird, but I read my own books. Like I go back and read my books because it reminds me of the things that I know that I got out of my head that I need to, I need to re-up as well because these things are perishable. It's easy as humans to go back to old habits. So, so I think all learning is super important. E-learning in particular is just convenient. So it's really super easy to get on, take a course, uh, and learn. And we do, we do a ton of VILTS, which is virtual instructor-led training. And I would say that the most powerful training we do is virtual training where we have a live instructor, and we're blending that in with e-learning self-directed courses. So we're handing out self-directed homework, and people are taking that. That seems to me, of all the learning mechanisms, the, the best. And when I've got a brand-new book coming out called The Virtual Training Bible, so it's about e-learning and virtual training. It'll yep. be out in November specifically taking on this particular issue. And the, the thing that we're, you know, we're learning is that if we can do virtual training right, if we can deliver it in a way that really connects with learners, and my trainers are, are just fantastic at this, uh, and then we can sprinkle that in with, with other pieces and even blend in some in-person training as well, that we're taking training to a new level in terms of changing behaviors. The one thing that I would say is this, is whether, you know, no matter what you're investing in in terms of e-learning, if you're a leader, if you don't lead e-learning, 
people won't take your learning. So the, the, the stats are just, it's abysmal. And, and you buy an e-learning course for someone, the people that actually finish the course or even take the course or even start the course. Very few people do that. That's one of the reasons why virtual instructor-led training for me is a better mechanism because people show up when there's a schedule. But our clients who are successful using our e-learning platform, which is called Sales Grave University, the ones that are incredibly successful are the ones where the leaders are dialed in and the leaders are, are holding their people accountable for taking courses and they're following what's going on and they're following after those courses and they're getting reporting back saying these people took it, these people didn't and they go back to those people and say you haven't taken the course and you haven't graduated and, and I would say one of my very best clients, they go through and curate. So they say, this, is the, this month we're taking this course together, and everybody takes the course together, and everybody finishes it. So it's not just to set it and forget it. You, it's, it, you have to be involved in, and drive it as a leader. And then if you're an individual, let me say this to you. If your company has provided you with courses and you're not taking them, you're a moron. Because that's called free learning, and they're giving it to you. And you, and if you're not taking them, it's because you've decided that you already know everything. And trust me on this, I'm old. I'm I'm way older than Dominic. I don't know everything, and I promise you, you don't know everything. So if someone's helping you and giving you content to consume, do yourself a favor. Go look in the mirror and tell yourself to consume it because it will make you better. And don't wait for someone to do it for you. That's excellent stuff. I appreciate everything very much. And obviously, you have your book set there. Where does one go to get that, that beautiful set of books there? You can get the book set on Amazon right now. They got a really good deal on them. So you can go buy them on Amazon, uh, the whole book set. And then uh, Virtual Selling, which is the brand new book that just came out, uh, that's available on Amazon right now. So you can go pick that up as well. Uh, and any of my books, if you go to Amazon, just type in my last name, B-L-O-U-N-T. My first name is J-E-B, three letters, easy. Uh, you can find any of the books. And I hope that, uh, especially with virtual selling, uh, it's the time is right. And I hope that people will go grab that book. Well, I promise you, I've read a lot of your books. I'm getting that virtual selling book right away. And those of you who are looking to really dial in sales, learn about emotional selling, and of course, get on this virtual selling bandwagon, I wouldn't put it up much longer. You got to get take advantage of these books that he's written. They're yeah. absolutely masterfully written. They're easy to listen to. That's one thing I wanted to personally thank you for, by the way, because I'm a big audiobook guy. So I appreciate you taking all the time to make these into audiobooks right away. You're always prompt and efficient with that. It's very helpful for me. So very good, very good. We'll try to get the virtual selling out sometime in August. It's been, it's been really hard to try to get into a studio with the COVID thing going on. We just we we get time scheduled, and the state of Georgia backs us off, and then we get time scheduled, and they back us off. So we're um we're we're waiting for uh, the go that we can get in. Yeah, I listen to you a lot when I'm running and doing cardio and day to day stuff. So it's really really helpful. So. All right. Well, again, appreciate another amazing podcast. One of my favorites here with Jeb Blunt, a very inspirational person in my life. So make sure you subscribe to his, his audiobooks on Amazon or, of course, get his book set here. So again, Jeb, thanks for all your time here today. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Yeah. And as always to our audience, yes, you are a closer. Uh -huh.